Welcome to Rack Talks, a podcast dedicated to the ever-evolving world of rack tech and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Know Your Customer. We're an award-winning rack tech provider specialized in corporate client onboarding, KYC, and anti-money laundering process digitization. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Brian Tang as my guest. Brian has worked in the confluence of law, technology, and finance in Hong Kong, New York, Silicon Valley, and Australia for more than two decades. After a career at global investment bank Credit Suisse and Wall Street firm Sullivan and Cromwell, Brian founded the ACMI, Asia Capital Markets Institute. He is also founding executive director of Light Lab at HKU at the University of Hong Kong, as well as the co-chair of the FinTech Association of Hong Kong's RegTech Committee and the founder of the APEC RegTech Network. Brian, thank you so much for being here. So pleased to be here, Klaus. Can I say that you've been a fantastic community member? Because as you know, within an ecosystem, it's made out of its community members, and we're only as good as what folk are willing to contribute, and you've been a fantastic contributor. So thanks so much, Klaus. Thank you so much, Brian. Being welcomed into the RegTech group there at FinTech Association was a giant stepping stone for me to be part of Hong Kong. Okay, Brian, as we just saw in our introduction, your passion and expertise in RegTech appears limitless. I'm just curious to know how it all started for you, or to be more precise, at what point in your career did you decide to make this your specialty? So in some ways, I started with a relatively conventional career. Then it went a little bit unconventional. So originally, my interest was in doing international and emerging markets work. As you noted, I started in private practice, firstly, born in Singapore, and then um, grew up in Australia, in Perth where I joined the most international law firm at the time, you know, Mallison's, now King of Wood Mallison's. And then after articling and being admitted, I then went to New York to do my LLM and then joined a Wall Street firm, Sullivan Cromwell, where besides doing conventional IPOs and M&A, I worked on Latin American project financing. And as a mid-level associate, I was planning to return to Asia, but the partners thought that I was kind of entrepreneurial and uh, asked me to help set up the Palo Alto office. This was during the dot-com boom. I had the good fortune of heading over there and pushing out four IPOs, and they were the last IPOs before the bust. The year was 2000. But, but it was while I was there that I really learned to appreciate the scalable impact of technology. So with the dot-com bust, I then returned to New York, and then before long was headhunted to join Credit Suisse in Hong Kong to cover the Asia-Pacific region, ex-Japan and Australia. So I had the good fortune of working on the IPOs of CCB, ICBC, which was then the largest IPO in history. I helped set up Credit Suisse, founder securities joint venture in Beijing. And then I helped work on the privatization of Alibaba.com in preparation for the listing of the entire group. It was around that time that I had what my wife called a, <laughs> an early midlife crisis. And so I left Credit Suisse and went into startup land and in some ways entered RegTech or EdTech before it was even called such a thing. And the idea there was to promote capital markets professionalism, especially since Hong Kong was a global center for, for IPOs and capital markets. So while I initially focused more on other areas, such as what I called um, online capital marketplaces, this was uh, linked to the, the rise of equity crowdfunding, peer-to-peer -peer lending, and then um, initial coin offerings. Ultimately, you know, these were a little bit too hairy for my, my risk appetites because all of these were unregulated at the time. And that's when I kind of found reg tech and law tech 
really melded with my interests and strengths in the law and regulation and in technology. But last but not least, but also in terms of growing an ecosystem where in law tech, we can talk about access to justice. And in reg tech, we can talk about you know, financial inclusion, combating financial crime. It's fantastic to kind of work in an area that combines different areas of my strengths and interests, but ultimately in ways that are good for society. I find that fascinating, Brian. We actually come from kind of opposite sides to the exact same point because my entry into all of this is obviously a big technology side. I have a degree in computer science and uh, you coming from a law side to the same thing. And what we are doing here is both of us is working in that intersection of law, technology, building communities and companies to make something good for ultimately society. In your opinion, what is the primary function of RegTech associations, such as the RegTech subcommittee of the FinTech Association of Hong Kong that we're both part of? What is their role in the overall financial ecosystem? RegTech is ultimately an enterprise play. It's not B2C. And so ultimately, your, your clients are financial institutions. And as you know, enterprise sales are complex enough with long sales cycles, increasingly complicated ABCD technologies, AI, blockchain, cloud, and data. How do you explain that to the users? And then, you know, the necessary education for internal stakeholders of these financial institutions. And then the last but not least, kind of seeking budgets for these solutions, which are more often bottom line or cost saving rather than top line and, and cash flow growth generative. But I joke that RegTech is even more complicated than traditional enterprise solutions because one of the first questions that financial institutions and their key stakeholders, uh, namely the regulatory compliance folk, ask is, what do the regulators think? Fintechs are increasing the pressure on incumbent financial institutions and how they operate. And in addition to digital banks, insurtechs, and online brokerages, now we have virtual asset service providers or VASPs. And so it's really important for all these players to come together and have a, a fruitful discussion and engagement with the regulators because the views of the regulators are also important. So I think associations like the FinTech Association and more pointedly committees like our RegTech committee can hopefully help bring together the user customers. So we have financial institutions, but we also have the FinTechs and the VASBs. We have the solution providers, whether they're the traditional vendors or the kind of more startup RegTechs as well as the professional service firms, all coming together, hopefully pushing the needle forward and then engaging more positively with the regulators to help educate all parties and grow the ecosystem and grow the pie. Some of our early initiatives include um, introducing what we called um, RegTech Live events. So how do we actually have our RegTechs present their solutions in a curated way to the, the key stakeholders? I, I attended a, a conference once where I gathered the materials for a lot of the um, service providers and the solutions, and I put them next to each other, and I had difficulty telling them apart, right? How do they? How are they different from each other? So by having a curated event, we can have the uh, regtechs pitching directly to the uh, users. So again, these are ways that we hope to bring uh, all the parties together, and we're really pleased that the regulators use those opportunities to to engage with us as well. RegTech Live event, that was indeed a seminal moment in the development of our company as well. And you're absolutely right. In this space, for the startups, it is sometimes difficult to distinguish themselves clearly from each other because of the inherent dynamics of wanting to pitch to a market and wanting to appeal to a broad spectrum of that market. 
And most startups fall into this trap of trying desperately not to exclude any potential customers because you want them all and thereby watering down the message and the idea, the core of what you're doing so much that it's unrecognizable. Hong Kong um, was very important for us as, as our headquarter and, and starting point anyway. But obviously, there is a wider ecosystem of associations. You founded the APAC Ragtag Network of different Ragtag groups in, in the region. And you're the organizer of the World Ragtag Summit. So you have great knowledge of the international Ragtag scene. Where are the most interesting things happening, do you think, when it comes to Ragtag innovation right now? There are three really interesting kind of developments around that. The, the first is kind of convergence of promotion of regtech worldwide. Unlike three years ago, where there were few regulators that were pioneering it, like the FCA in the UK, um, now there's really a, a growing uh, chorus of regulators around the world that are actually promoting regtech, and and that's great. Theme number two is very often the, these regtech issues are intertwined with the issues facing tech in general. Three of the, the the big issues facing tech and big tech are firstly, you know, AI and the importance of the very unfortunately acronymed um, FAT, Fairness, Accountability and Transparency. So if especially if your solution includes AI or machine learning, how do you address each of these aspects as, as a reg tech solution to the ultimate user? Data and privacy is a second aspect that, again, you know, if you're a reg tech, where are you getting the data from? How are you uh, ensuring privacy of and use of the data? And last but not least, cybersecurity, because a lot of it is being used on the cloud and the different you know, adoption rates where that's concerned. So, so secondly, you know, RegTech solutions are being intertwined with these. And so the innovations there have to address those aspects as well. And then last but not least, I've kind of seen RegTech startups as kind of, for lack of a better word, an export business. Certain countries are priding themselves in being net exporters of, of really cool RegTech solutions and companies. And Ireland is one of them. The anecdote I tell is when I was at Hong Kong Fintech Week, I came across this little row of, of companies. Maybe it was called like RegTech Alley or some sort of RegTech section. And I was like, I was so excited. I was like, wow, finally, this this emphasis on RegTech as a sector of, of FinTech being shown at the FinTech Week. But actually, lo and behold, it was Enterprise Ireland and our mutual friend Mo who had uh, set that up. So now, as, as you would know, countries like Australia have come up as net exporters of reg tech and the like. So I think the competition is great, especially for a country like Hong Kong, which is a net importer, I believe, of reg tech solutions. If you want a solution, you really want the best solution. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And so this kind of push hopefully drives up innovation in a healthy and creative way. Big shout out uh, to our mutual friend Mo here for organizing that. It was very impressive. I remember that. But let's circle back to, to the uh, RegTech associations. Do you know, historically, how have RegTech associations in APEC and globally cooperated up to now? So as you would know, regulation and regulators have always been local. But financial institutions are global. So I was at Credit Suisse. And so my coverage was pan-regional. Especially in places like Asia, harmonization of approach has always been kind of a holy grail. So especially for a, a global financial institution, what would be great is if you have one solution that covers and complies with the, the regulations across the region rather than have 
different you know systems for every single jurisdiction the other aspect also is that you know at the same time um, innovation is local and can be anywhere in any form so the idea behind apec regtech network was when i found out that, that some of the fintech associations around the region were also creating regtech committees i said fantastic our hong kong one is kind of the grandfather of sorts so we've been around longer than most i knew julian from australia when he set up the regtech association and now it's of course grown and evolved uh, tremendously under deborah's leadership there chai kit had set up something as part of the singapore fintech association and then the funny thing is i kept bumping into takashi all places mongolia we were both speaking there at a fintech event and that was when as, as part of his introduction he also said oh he was the head of the regtech for the Japanese fintech association i said really if there are only two of us you know that then it's just partnership but if there are three of us it can be a network so that's how kind of the network got formed and then when malaysia fintech association found out about uh, our initiative i told them you can join only if your fintech association has a regtech committee so they set up a regtech committee and then they joined the idea here was you know was was really in that modest sense to connect folk who are in fintech so we get it already in terms of technology we understand the merits we understand um, how it can serve not just fintechs but also financial institutions but then we wanted to grow further now since then of course you have independent regtech associations arising we certainly want to continue to be built across different stakeholders and importantly across the jurisdiction if not globally i think that Building across different stakeholders is incredibly important. And the FTAHK or the RegTech group especially has done a tremendously good job there. Funny that you mentioned him. Takashi has a Tokyo event. I spoke at one of his events, I think in 2019. And it was very, very interesting to go into that ecosystem. And uh, for me, it shows the power of this network of associations that you dip into a new market, a new ecosystem. And you get all the connections right there and, and get the intros. So these events are important. And you are actually the organizer of a fantastic event called the World RegTech Summit. Do we need these events to bring the industry together? What's their function? And what did you learn uh, from this one? Since the very beginning of Hong Kong FinTech Week, I've had the good fortune of being invited to speak at those events. And then I think it was two years or so ago that I didn't get the phone call, but I was fine with that. I said, look, let others do it. And this shows that we're growing the ecosystem. But then I realized that it's because they weren't having a panel. And I was like, what do you mean you're not having even a RegTech panel at the FinTech Weeks? I said, look, why don't we as a community organize a little World RegTech Summit in conjunction with the FinTech Week? Again, because we have great ecosystem partners, we were able to get a venue and then sponsors for catering. And then the response was so great that we had to find yet an, an even bigger venue. And so it ended up being held at Hong Kong U. So that was great. And then the following year, that was when we knew that the HKMA was going to be promoting RegTech much more, which is fantastic. Again, we'd been working with the HKMA in the past with the AML CFT uh, RegTech Forum, and they had issued an RFP to engage a service provider to help them you know, promote RegTech. So we knew that something was coming and they were meant to organize something, the FinTech Week. Alas, you know, welcome to COVID and everything is going to be online. HKMA was going to hold the event, not then, but probably in the first quarter of 2021. So I said, well, that means if they're not organizing anything, then then maybe we should organize something again. So we created World RegTech Summit online. And, and I think we tried to make the best of the online platform, but we're all still learning. 
So the idea was to have it online and to make the most of that, we could have thought leading panelists. We organized again, the three minute pitches. And the hope is, is that we would use that as a platform for launching new products. And then we also created a, an interactive regtech ecosystem map. And through that, we had more than 80 reg techs around the world that kind of signed up in short notice and it's growing. So we really wanted to create this, this online space and community to help educate practitioners in the space, but also to grow a community of practice. That 2019 event was absolutely overwhelming. We were surprised what the community response was. I was blown away at that time. I remember it was fascinating to see, oh, this community is really, really big. There's a lot of people interested now. Brian, you're not just an expert in fintech, regtech, you're even more an expert in legal tech. How do you see these two areas? Do they converge? Are they separate? I kind of see it as a continuum. As you alluded to, I founded Light Lab at Hong Kong U, and Light stands for Law, Innovation, Technology, and Entrepreneurship. And it's an interdisciplinary and experiential program on the one hand to train the next generation of legal and compliance professionals, but at the same time kind of grow the whole ecosystem as well. We, we just launched this semester a new Light Lab Law Tech and Reg Tech Sandbox. So you can tell I actually put the two together quite a bit. My preferred phrase is Law Tech rather than Legal Tech, because Legal Tech at least has evolved into meaning you know, law for law firms. It doesn't need to be that way, but somehow it's evolved that way. RegTech, as used more colloquially or maybe our circles, uh, relates to regulatory compliance for financial institutions. But as you know, there's so many other regulated industries, so you can technically have RegTech for lots of different other industries as well. And then within that continuum, you also have SoupTech, which is often seen as the, the flip side of RegTech. So it's the supervisors using technology to overlook the regulated entities where the regulators entities use technology to comply with the regulations. You've got GovTech also, which is government using technology for governmental services. And as you may know, some of those services include digital ID kind of initiatives, which then links in back to RegTech and SoupTech and LegalTech and LawTech. So in some ways, maybe it's not even a continuum. Maybe it's a little web um, of, of interrelationships. One more question that I ask all my guests. So if you tomorrow woke up and somehow had become the global financial regulator with all the power, what would be the first thing you would want to do? And of course, why? Wow. You know, great question. So it's a fairy godmother question, right? Uh, or genie question. I think that if that were to be the case, then I, I would want to try to ensure that all financial institutions broadly writ i.e., you know, regulated entities and um, regulatory staff are really trained in, in technology and professionalism. And this links to what is the role of finance in society? And therefore, the people that work in finance, how can they ensure what they do continues to serve the people that they were created to serve? And so the phrase that I use, at least in, in my space when training the students and the like, and I've published a little bit on this as well, is, is to focus on three things. All professionals working in this space, uh, including regulators, should be uh, client-centric, i.e. who are you serving and is what you're doing serving who it is that you're meant to be serving, to be process-conscious. 
so that you understand how procedures work consciously or otherwise in terms of the workflows that we all engage in, sometimes unconsciously. But, but once we're conscious of it, you know, can we kind of improve that? And then last but not least, to be technology friendly. So again, if, if one is appreciative of what technology is able to do, and then be able to integrate that into a client-centric and process-conscious way, then I think the financial industry can better serve the people and the purposes in which it was originally kind of created. Kind of taking a step back, um, some of the current research work I, I'm involved in relates to AI and, and data governance. And the, the framework that I'm kind of been working on, I, I kind of call it the, the Chiron imperative then this is where I learn who, who are the classicists amongst us. So Chiron is a nod to two uh, individuals. One is Gary Kasparov. So Gary Kasparov, for those that are old enough and know, was, was one of the first humans that did battle, shall we say, against the computer and lost, right? So when he lost a big blue in the game of chess, right? IBM's big blue. What, what is not often known is after that experience, he created a new system that he called Centaur Chess. So centaurs are, you know, half human, half horses. And what he found was that if if a human and then a machine work together, uh, it normally worked much better than if human alone or a machine alone. And so the name Chiron itself is a nod to Homer, not Simpson, but the poet, who identified Chiron as the justice and wisest of centaurs. So hopefully if we can develop ways in which we can be, you know, just and wise, but ensure the role of the human kind of working in the loop when relating to, to machines. I believe that that's something that we can uh, then strive towards a better society tomorrow. Thank you so much, Brian. Fascinating talk. Thanks for coming on. It was my total pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Klaus. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RecTech provider, Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash rectalks.